LiveWire is brought to you by the Rise Network. Please check us out at www.risenetworkus.com to check out all of our bloggers, streamers, YouTubers, podcasters, and entertainers. Rise is focused on these three words, growth, ascension, and rise. Welcome back to another episode of Live Wire Fantasy Football. We are here. This is the last episode of the season, I believe, boys. So tip your hat, clap your hands. Thank you for a great... Yeah, thank you, Rod. Thanks for participating. Golf clap. You're doing the Fortnite clap. Anyway, um, no, golf clap is like... Don't do that in the microphone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. But last episode of the season, we'll probably be back probably around, I'd say... Close to whenever the NFL draft is over, when we have the rookies on new teams and we're able to assess and start prepping for the draft, we started in September right before week one. Yeah, I think it might have even been week two for all I know. We started. So uh, we want to for sure be there for you guys during draft season and help you guys out with that. So stay tuned. Take a look on Twitter. Uh, follow us again at Twitter, at uh, on Twitter, at LiveWireFF. And um, we'll be back. But today we do have a great episode for you guys, um, including an interview with Eric Romoff, a fantasy football analytical genius on Twitter. And that was a fun and good interview we had with him. And he got to share uh, a lot of good stuff with us about this year, the woes, the cheers, and what we're looking to forward to next year. So let's get into it. All right, I there's really no fantasy football to talk about anymore. Uh, most seasons are done with, and if you're playing in week 18, fuck you. So I'll just <laughs> no, seriously. Hey, no, seriously. Joe Mixon's out. He's out this week, so football wise might as well be over. Yeah, yeah. That's you know a, we should cherish that. Yeah, no. yeah. Joe but, Mixon out. What? But we'll just talk about actual football here. We're here. Um, you know, once we get into the interview with Eric, you'll see we start deep diving and really talking about fantasy. What would happen this year, and what's gonna happen, what we think is gonna happen next year? So for our episode today, let's just talk about let's just shoot the shit about football. I like it. All right, let's do it, Rod. Chiefs Bengals. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Take your. I'll give you the floor. Go ahead. Okay. Uh. Well, first, um, raise the roof, raise the roof, raise the roof, raise the roof. I won K shitty league for the second year in a row. Feels good. And that is our high stakes, big money, big baller, big dick league. And Rod is two time back to back champion. Now, I will say I I'm I'm halfway to what Colin has done. For those who don't know, Colin has won this league four times. Four in a row. In a row. Okay. In the inaugural four first four years. He finished a whole presidential term. Yeah. Winning that bitch. Nobody competed. But I'm but I'm on pace. Okay. You technically that. are on pace. I'm on pace. Give it twenty years. We might be <laughs> I'm on pace. But it felt good, man. Everything fell into place. All the trades I made fell into place. My team was shit when I drafted it, per usual. And that's why I don't really panic after the draft because I know my team will not look the same as it does come week seventeen. Uh but it felt good. It felt great. I'm just happy to be a champ again. Happy to be a champ. What Congratulations, man. I, you are, like I said, on the brink of a dynasty. If you define a dynasty, I would say you have to win three in a row or four out of five. Those are my rules. I know you disagree a little bit. You think four out of five is too much. You think three out of four is well, good enough. I was watching the Tom Brady documentary, and it was like his first few years starting. They ended up winning two in a row, and then they lost the next one. And then I remember him saying, like, he was getting the guys in the locker room. He was like, listen, guys, we got to win this one because if we don't win this one, you know, the dynasty will end or or however you would say, like, 
that's how close we would be to having a dynasty, but we wouldn't have it. So Tom Brady, Tom Brady says three out of four. Three dynasty. out of four is clean. Yeah, Rod. Okay. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. Three out of four is clean with me. Three out of four is clean. All right, right. I'll take it. I'll take it, especially in a fantasy football league. If you don't get three in a row, but you win three out of four, I consider that a dynasty. Now, if you get your third down the line, two, three, four years from now, or not two, two would play, three, four, five years from now, it's no longer a dynasty. You just had a good run, and and you're you're um, you're like one of those teams that you can just count on to be in the playoffs. You're going to be around. You're going to win some championships here and there. You'll have your up or downs, and, and that's it. But at least you're not the Buffalo Bills, a.k.a. me. I have been to four yeah. championships out of what? How many years has this league been? It was around? in a row, too, Eight. wasn't it? Yeah, no, I, it was. It was. It was. I'm uh, pretty sure if it was four in a row. No, I lost the the one that Demi won in between was not four in a row. So I I went oh, I'm to talking about the Bills. Sorry. Oh yeah, the Bills was four yeah. in a row. Yeah, I went to four out of five years. I went to the finals and I lost all four, and I lost two to you, Colin, two to Colin, one to Rod, and one to someone else. So. I can't, I can't, I can't play in the last dance. I can't, I can't finish. I can't finish. That's what the rumor is going around. Can't town. finish. Can't finish. That's so tough. You might get that checked out. But that's enough <laughs> championship. <laughs> you said gynecologist. Yep. Is that what they do? I think they check your sperm and shit. I don't know. <laughs> I was, no, that's okay. for chicks, dude. Yeah, it is definitely for that's chicks. <laughs> OBGYN. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we're drifting off. Let's talk about the. <laughs> Bengals and Chiefs. Let's talk about the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, First and foremost, yeah, I said that this game screamed over, over fifty-one and a half points. Too easy, too easy. Who saw? Who else saw that coming from that ten thousand miles away? Not me. Oh wait, hold on. I just realized Rod's in a pissy mood because the Chiefs lost. I am too. No. Oh, actually, why are you? Whoa. I had Chiefs money line. There was a final leg of my parlay. I thought they were going to pull it out. Once the over hit, I was like, okay, we just need to, you know, tie this game up 34 apiece, take it to overtime. Yeah. Didn't happen. So you want to know, I, can I give my take on why the Chiefs lost this game? Yeah. Uh, because of one person, that's Steve Spagnola. Uh, it was third and 27, three minutes to go on the game, and you're running press man coverage on Jamar Chase after he's already beat you for 150-plus yards already in the game. Why? Why you blame Legarius Sneed or whoever the hell was covering? Well, Shavarius Ward is terrible. Shavarius Ward. Okay, but still, it's third and twenty-seven. You get a stop. Okay, that leaves you at fourth and what? Maybe seventeen if they get ten yards right. Uh, okay, you get the ball back with two minutes left. But all Joe Burrow had to do was say one, two, three, hike, boom, throw it up. It was easy. It was happening the entire game. So that's why we lost the game. That's why the Chiefs lost right there, and because of the defensive calls by Steve Spagnola. Okay, I have a question for you. How do you feel about Shavarius Ward hitting the gritty on uh on, did you see that? Yeah, right yeah, when yeah, I saw yeah, that, yeah. I knew like, yeah. it was happening. Dude, it was, it was dude, it, in real time, I was like, he's fucked. Dude, uh, you gotta know who you're fucking with. You have to know yeah. who you're fucking this with. It always happens though, bro. Like someone does something, then someone retaliates, and then it's like dude, you're screwed. How in in his right mind, so he deflects the ball, whatever. Good play on Jamar Chase. By the way, he almost lost him play, on too. that play. Yeah, he did. Almost lost him on that mm-hmm. play. And he hits the gritty in his face. And then the next, what, next two plays two after plays that? After, yeah. Yep. Two plays after that, it looks like the exact same route. The same balls. They're on the same corners on Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase mosses his ass, looks down in his face, hits the gritty on his ass, and then fucking whips his big ass dick out and says, what's good? What's good? Chiefs win. Or, or Bengals win. And Bengals me. win. Yeah. And so it seems like, I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I was a big, you guys are stupid for not taking Sewell. It looks like you just got to draft no. players who are ballers. No, dude. but no. And let, he's a baller. Wait, hold on, timeout. 
Joe Burrow's still getting absolutely lit up. Okay, he's still getting yeah. pressured a lot, and he's getting he's he's not he's not comfortable. But he has playmakers. Tyler Boyd has been my favorite wide receiver, one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL forever. Every fantasy team I have, I always have Tyler Boyd on it. Always. This is the first year I actually traded him away, and I was like, my stomach was hurting because I know how good Tyler Boyd is. You yep. throwing their T Higgins and Jamar Chase? What? Come you know on. What we call that yeah. Rod. You call Tyler Boyd one of your guys. That's my guy. Yeah. No, it is one of your guy. guys. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my guys. We still haven't got you one yet. Not yet. Hopefully, uh, this offseason we can do some soul About Joe Burrow, and the, and the, I was talking to Ristic about this uh, this past weekend. Obviously, the offensive line is brutal. And we always think about, like, okay, Joe Burrow's not going to have any time to throw. He can't do anything. But people forget Joe Burrow is also a hell of an athlete. And I've never seen someone like Joe Burrow navigate around the pocket, you know, people diving at ankles and shit. Like, Joe Burrow, he's got that instinct that most guys don't have in the pocket and for quarterbacks a big part about being a good quarterback is having like great pocket uh presence yeah. and joe burrow sure as hell has that and i think that's why we're seeing the Bengals do so well even with one of the worst offensive lines in the league i actually think they're 30th yeah, in terms of pass blocking terrible. Like, it's bad yeah but joe burrow knows how to get out and obviously the playmakers on, on the outside i think that kind of just debunks our whole theory about joe mixon this whole season because if he's had such a bad offensive line and he was actually able to do what he did it's still like it makes it 10 times more impressive well it's no secret that the reason why joe burrow has had the year that he's had is because they drafted a guy like jamar chase Yo, i mean yeah, the facts. defense the defense facts. is worried so much about tyler boyd t higgins and jamar chase that who has time to scheme for the guy who's getting 25 carries a game. Right. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do as a defensive coordinator or a head coach. It's definitely not. Obviously, you don't want him to run all over your team. But with that being said, there's a reason why he was available in those games. There's a reason why he was having success and efficiency running the ball, which we haven't seen from him in previous years. He's always had the volume. We've talked about this a thousand times. He's always had the volume. But it was the efficiency. It was him actually getting it done for once. I think it's a direct result from Jamar Chase being there and taking their passing game and their air threat to a complete different level. So with that being said, the Chiefs are are still good. I think you guys got your – you didn't want to go into the playoffs on a win streak. I mean, but come on. And yeah, we were we were winning eight in a row. I was hoping they would lose a yeah, game. Yeah, this is good like, for you guys. This is good for you guys. Yeah. But with that being said, the Bengals are not to be fucked with. No. They're going to be a serious problem. Oh, they're a problem. For a, for a long time. They're about to be a problem. The AFC in, in, at, as a whole right now is a big problem. You got Derrick Henry coming back. You know, I guess we can kind of talk about that, too. Uh, the is pay- he coming back? Yeah, he's yeah, back he's at practice. practice. Oh, Jesus, Cam, dude. Cam Akers also Cam is Cam Akers back is back. Too. So, I mean, like, can we talk about the AFC for a second, and then we can go to the NFC since we were yeah. talking about Chiefs Bengals. I want to start with the Patriots, and I'm going to ask you guys. Is Mac Jones capable of going on a run in the playoffs? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Really? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. Playoffs, it's built for people who have been there. You, so rarely do you see a team that just comes out of nowhere one year and just, you know, go to the Super Bowl and win it. Right. You, don't, you don't see that. You got to have people that have had experience and that have been to the playoffs to know what it's like to lose that game before. Because other than that, like, you don't know what it feels like to lose a game. But once you do... Guys start to build around that, and they're like, okay, this we can't do this this year. Or this may be the reason why we lost this playoff game. This is why we couldn't make a run. And they, they actively work to fix that the next season, and that's when you see teams start to build themselves and get to the contender, like we saw with the Chiefs. They had a good team before Patrick Mahomes get, got there. They had a playoff team, and now that was like the extra piece. Yeah. And that's why you see teams get better after being there one or two times previously. There's a battle for the number one seed 
in the AFC still this weekend or, you know, for the AFC uh, playoffs, Tennessee Titans, like Derrick Henry, okay? They've been winning games without Derrick Henry, yeah, which makes scary. it scary, like very scary. And the ups and downs of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Like, could this be tennis, the Tennessee Titans' year? I I don't think so. I'm no. not a big Titans guy in a really? scheme of playoff success. Now, they have a great coach. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Vrabel's the man. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he gets his guys pumped. He prepares the right way. He's got that Belichickian style. We saw him and uh, Belichick go toe-to-toe playing with the rule book that one time on <laughs> penalties and whatnot. You, you guys remember that. Yep. So it's not like he's a dumbass. He knows what he's doing. So on that aspect, they are good. Their defense scares the shit out of me. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. But they're also that team that you just don't know what to expect from their defense because some days they're absolute lockdown. They're they're churning. Like last week, what they blew the shit out of the uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah. Like they, Miami yeah. had no. Miami won eight in a row too. Yeah. The Miami was yeah. hot. They were Miami's very hot. very hot. Yeah. Very very hot. So, you know, it was just so weird to see what well, what team are we seeing here. Now, does that say more about Miami or more about Tennessee? I'm not entirely sure. Right. But for me, I think there's too much competition in the AFC, considering the Chiefs, the Bengals. Um, we don't know yet the about Patriots some of the others. and the Bills. I think those are my four teams locked in that are going to be featured in the Super Bowl from the AFC. I don't think it's going to be Tennessee. Okay. So let me ask you guys this. So I have the playoff picture in front of me right now. If the playoffs were to start today. Today, we're not talking about this upcoming week. So you will have Tennessee on a bye, right? So then you will have the Buffalo Bills uh, versus the Patriots. What are you taking in that game? Ooh, man. Who's home? Uh, I it would, would be the Bills. It would be the Bills, yes, because it's the fourth seed. But I will say I will be betting, if that was happening, I'd be betting on the on the uh, Patriots. Because same thing we talked about with Alabama. Same thing we talked about the first time they played the Patriots. Yep. Nobody's going to outcoach Bill Belichick. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And he finally found himself a quarterback to replace Tom Brady that he's not asking to take over the game, throw three, four touchdowns, take over and win. He's asking him to not fuck up. Right. If you don't fuck up, which is your job. So if you do your job, which you know is the Belichick style. About, yes. He will make sure that his defense does their job. He'll make sure that the wide receivers block when they're supposed to block and they'll run hard, crisp routes and he'll do it the Belichickian way. And I think that teams that are built like that are made to make runs in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying they can win a Super Bowl because that was your initial question. I don't think I don't think he... There comes a point to where it's no longer, all right, your only job is just not fuck up. Right. There comes a point where your job is to actually bring us over this hump. We are down. We need you to march down this field and score a touchdown. I don't think he necessarily has that in him. I don't think he necessarily has the weapons around him to help him do that. So with that being said, I would say... I would take them over the Bills because I still don't think the Bills are that good. But I know they have uber talent. I know Josh Allen has a big arm, and that shit matters in today's NFL. Oh, it does, 100%. But if I was a betting man, I'm going to take the Patriots. I'm I'm taking the Bills. I still think the Bills are one of those teams that has a real shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, Like I said, like, five minutes ago, teams that have been there and felt the pain of losing a close game, a close playoff game, that, that literally fits the Bills mold right there. That last year they lost a close game to Kansas City, right? I believe in the – was it the AFC Championship or was that the divisional round? Uh, it was the – it wasn't the AFC Championship because the Browns played in the AFC Championship, yeah, so it was a divisional, right? Yeah, they lost in the divisional, yep, to the no. Chiefs. No, the Browns lost in the second round. Yeah, the Browns lost in the AFC, so the – yeah, so they lost at home. In the AFC Championship. In the AFC Championship, yep. 
And that was what a three point game, I believe. It was a close game. Uh, I don't think so. I believe it was a close game. I or maybe because Stephon Dix was very hurt that game because you know he had that big scene standing outside yeah. and he was like, oh. And what did I just I say? I don't remember. What did I just that. say? Teams they got to feel what it's like to lose that game. They got to feel what it's like to be that close and just come up short. Oh, Colin just felt a rejuvenance of juice right there. He was like, oh shit. I've always been on the Bills. Yeah. I've always been on the Bills. I like but that bills. just solidified it for you. They have they have an identity. We know exactly what the Bills are going to do. They're going to try and suffocate you on defense, and they're going to try to kill you through the air. Yeah. They know exactly what they're going to do, and I think I still think they have one of the best rosters in football. They have one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best receivers. I don't know. I think the Bills are definitely a team to watch out for. Okay, so let's just run through this real quick. So then it would yeah. be the Chiefs, the Chiefs Chargers. Who would you take? Chiefs. Okay. And then Bengals Colts. Let's just that this would be as of today. So Bengals Colts. Bengals. Bengals. I would go Chiefs over the Chargers. I'd go Colts over the Bengals. Okay. And then that means the Bengals, the Bengals and Chiefs would meet up. Chiefs. Chiefs. You mean Chiefs beat the Bengals second time going around? Yes. And then Tennessee would play, we would say collectively the Chiefs. Bang no 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 no. The Patriots or Bills. Oh, I'd say Patriots. Patriots. I say Bills. Okay, so we'll go with we'll go with the Bills. Okay, Tennessee plays the Bills. I think I think Tennessee loses to either one of them. Okay, so. I do too. So then it'd be the Bills versus probably the Chiefs in the AFC Championship again. Again, yeah, and that would be a hell of a game. Yeah. Big arms. Uh, the weather will be a factor in both stadiums, no matter yep. where it's at. So that that in itself is really, uh, really enticing. But the NFC picture is something that. I think it's yeah, a lot more questions than that. A lot yeah. more questions, a lot more exciting, and a, a much larger talent pool front to back. Can Even even considering with the Philadelphia Eagles being in the playoffs, Ugh. which I don't know how that happened. Mind-blowing. I'm looking at, I'm looking at this, this matchup picture right now, and I have no lock-in of a team that can win any of these matchups. I think there's still quite a few undecided spots. There is. There. So the 49ers and Saints is a big one this weekend. So... For uh, both of them or just the Niners? Both of them, I think. Really? Because the 49ers need the Falcons to I don't know. They need they need the 40, they, the 49ers need the Falcons to beat the Saints in order for them to to regain their spot. And the Saints need the the 49ers to lose. Well, we didn't even talk about the winning get in between the Chargers and the Raiders. Right. But that's another one too. Yeah, that that yeah. I, I would like to talk about that, but we'll we'll circle back around to that yeah. at the back end of the episode. Okay, so let's just say for today's sake that the playoffs were to start today. All right, like as I said, we're not taking into account this weekend coming up. All right, it would be the Rams versus the Eagles. Um, Rams. Are we all in collective fear that the Rams? Yeah, but I don't think it's a cakewalk. Now, the Rams are my Super Bowl favorite. I, I want them to win the Super Bowl, and I think they have a good chance. I just don't. I just think that the Eagles match up very well with the Rams. I, I, I'm just going to say this. They did not look good against the Ravens. A depleted That's Ravens what I'm defense. I think, the, I think the Eagles are playing well right now, and I think the Eagles' strengths match up to the Rams' weaknesses. How poetic. Darius Slay going against uh, Matt Stafford. Darius Slay winning like pick or winning pick six. That would be really I think it's really poetic. Stafford just cooking him. You think so? Yeah. yeah. No, hey, listen. People people want to are going to want to bring up the card of, oh, Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. Let me correct you real quick. He did win one, but was robbed by the referees in Dallas. Dallas so yes. that was a win. I don't care what anyone says. We had the game in the bag. After throwing the flag, making the call, picked it back up. We don't have to get into it. But, but I think he's we want to talk about the Saints game or the Seahawks game. Yeah. yeah we well, those. those were both shit kicking. So I have nothing yeah. to say about that. They were really bad. Like the Saints one was embarrassing. I, I want to say the, the, the final score of the Saints. It was game, a lot. It was, was a lot to a little. It was 2011, I think. 37 to 20. I want to say they got in the 40s. Probably. I want to say they got in the 40s. So 
And now I've been the, granted that I think that was the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl. And that's really cool for everyone involved. It sucks for us, but it is what it is. And the Seahawks game was just bad as hell, too. Our starting running back that day was Zach Zenner. So and do that, you, that face mask, the, the it was an interception, I believe. Yeah. In the cornerback or the back. There's nine, always so. a call, man. There's always a call. Maybe we just noticed it because it's our team, but it always yeah. feels like we're getting robbed. It is always like we're getting robbed. So let me just say this. Stafford's been to the dance. He's been in the tournament, as he called it. Love that. He's been to the tournament. I am not one of those guys that's like, oh, Stafford doesn't have the moxie or the ability to play in the offs in the tournament. I think he can do it. I think he will do it. Do I think he has enough to overcome the Packers? No, I think the Packers is Stafford's kryptonite forever and always. So the Packers probably might end up winning the division or winning the conference. But what I will say is I do not like the Buccaneers to prevail moving forward. I think they have too many injuries. I think they have too much drama. I think Brady is 44 years old. Even on, that's never mattered. But how can you say that after Brady just lost yeah. Antonio Brown mid-game, then went on a game-winning drive, and literally just went... Uh, uh, I don't easy. know. Make it. If we're being honest, we say this. We say this every year. I don't yeah. think Brady can do I'm this done. year. I'm done. Do no, yeah, I'm no, no, done. I am done too. I, 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 I take that back. No, no, I, I take <laughs> no, that back. Seriously, I'm so done trying to figure out ways that Brady's not gonna win. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really dumb of me to say. I'm no, just gonna come no, up. That no, was but, really fucking but stupid. Your, but your, but your logic, like your logic, is correct though. Like, there's so much drama. AB walks out. Bruce just seems like he's he's lost the locker room. But Brady. Right. Yeah, it's, it's Brady. Brady that's, can get the locker room. Yeah, that's, that's the guy. That's the guy. He's the coach and the quarterback. Like, it's everything. So, I'm going to take that back. Of course, they have an opportunity okay. to march it down. Um, I just didn't like the injury situation with them. I think they're a completely different team without AB and without Godwin. So, now you got Mike Evans and Gronk, who I think is literally the exact same thing as the Packers, except Devontae Adams is a trifold better than Mike Evans. Um, whether you agree with that or not, Rod. I didn't trifold, say anything. Not tenfold? Trifold. I personally so like three times three better. times better than like like just like personal favorites. I like Mike Evans better, but like obviously the stats don't really probably say. Yeah, that. I'm not a big Devontae Adams guy. Yeah. As yeah. sitting here as a Lions fan, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> huge about him, uh, but I think he's really damn good, and he's probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. So uh, I think that's a product of Aaron Rodgers because we saw what happened with Jordan Lowen in the game. It was a disaster. But but the thing was with Devontae Adams, he's the one guy that will double cover get double covered by every team, and Aaron Rodgers still goes to still him. prevail. Still yeah, goes still to goes to him. him. So that was my Buccaneers. That's my Packers take. My Rams take, take is that they have an opportunity to make a splash. It all comes down to Stafford. Which Stafford are you going to get? Are you going to get the pick six? What That's the fuck are you doing, Stafford? Yep. Are you going to get the early MVP vote, Stafford? Which I think is still in there. I have no explanation for what he's done the last three weeks. The turnovers have been insane. I like More worse than the Lions. Correct. Well, I mean that's Stafford. You you have your your great days, your good days, your bad days, and your, but see, your terrible days. You can't have that though at this you point in time. No, you can't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> saying that's like, what I'm saying. You, either you, you it comes down for the Rams which Stafford they're going to get because right. their defense is going to play. Von Miller had two sacks last game. That's huge. He's finally getting back into the rhythm for right. it. So their defense is playing well. It literally comes down to which Matthew Stafford is going to roll out of bed. Okay, Cardinals, Cowboys. They would play today if the players were to start today. They would play each other. Uh, four seed versus five seed. Who prevailed last week? Cardinals. Cardinals. Who's going to prevail next week? Cowboys. I agree. So you think hard to beat a team twice? Okay, so if the Cardinals and Cowboys were to play in the playoffs right now, you're taking the Cowboys over the Cardinals. I will take the Cowboys, and I'll take the Cowboys in the next round too until they face the Rams, because I think no. the Cowboys is one of the best teams in football. Nope, too, too. way too damn inconsistent. 
they are inconsistent. But if you're gonna buckle down, this is the time to buckle down. I mean, you don't know. Same with Matt Stafford. You don't know what Dak you're gonna get. You don't know what Ezekiel Elliott you're gonna get. Rod, you I will. I, I agree with you. But what I'll say is, is there is a loss of concentration. I'll say when you have locked in the playoffs already at week 13, and it's now week 18, and like it's whatever. Yeah, we're playing the Cardinals. They're good. True. Why? I'm not gonna show all my stripes. We're probably gonna play them in the playoffs. I'm not gonna show you everything I got. Like, why would I do that? Where the Cardinals are like, we have to give you everything we got because we got to make the playoffs. So with that being said, I just don't see a scenario in which the the, Cal- the Dallas Cowboys don't sit there and buckle down, get their shit together, and throw their best stuff at their opponent, which is, as of today, the Arizona Cardinals. So for me, I am all in on the boys in, I the, in round one. I'm actually agreeing with Ristic here. I'm going to tell you Thank guys you. one person who's going to screw them over if they were to lose. Take a guess. Wait, like is yeah, it his fault? Yeah, yeah. It's McCarthy. It, yes. His clock management is so fucking bad. That's why he got thrown out of Green Bay. It's yeah, so well, bad. He's got, a, he's got a Super Bowl ring. Did you watch that Cardinals game? They had 22 seconds left, and the guy couldn't even challenge because he didn't even have a challenge left. Did he throw it? He didn't have He didn't have. He couldn't. He used it like twice already. Have, yeah, he didn't have anything. that He had no timeout. He, he had nothing. So and, and, and I think it was Chase Edmonds actually fumbled the ball. So oh, the yeah. Cowboys would have gotten the ball back and... Please, I mean, give me, give me, give me Dak in that time, like you know, in 20, 30 seconds. I'll take that. Yeah, but you don't have any time left. But take what I said into consideration. I mean, there's just a really good possibility that the Cowboys knew that they'd be seeing them in the playoffs at some point or another. True. And they already locked in their playoff spot, so they were just saying, "Hey, we're not going to throw everything we have at you. We're going to save some stuff for the right. for the tournament." True. So that's I, that's, I know I'm, I'm on you on that, but I'm just saying, like, don't be surprised if Cowboys lose. That's all I'm saying. McCarthy's got a Super Bowl ring, whether I like him or not. Right. Crazy that. Green Bay could play Dallas, and Dallas would have to go to Green Bay the Mike McCarthy way. That's the issue. You you've got to play through Green Bay, and that's when it becomes a problem. I don't know if do they have the one seed locked up. Oh no? yes, way locked they up. They do. Yeah, you got to go through Green Bay. That, Eleven degree weather. I'm out. That is an issue. No, that's an issue. That's a huge <laughs> that's advantage. <an> <laughs> that, that's that's a problem. That's a huge advantage for the pack going forward. I mean, hey, but we saw Tom Brady do it last year. Yeah, but they got bailed out by some calls. They did get bailed that. out, dude. That is like I remember watching it, going, "That's a hundred percent pi." Yeah, and they're just not going to call it. Yeah. Or was it vice versa? It, it, they called pi, and there was nowhere to be found. Yeah, what was it too? No, it was. They were calling pi left and right. It was right before halftime. Wasn't they were bailing yeah. Brady out they for sure. Bra- yes. I literally remember going, "Dude, that's a horrible yeah. call." But it's okay because I bet on the Bucks. I was like, "Yeah, whatever." Horrible call though. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna be tough for anyone, but it's definitely doable. All right, Super Bowl matchup. Who's prevailing from the NFC? Who's prevailing from the AFC? Um, Colin, you go first. I got my AFC pick. That's for sure. Okay, which is the Bills. The Bills. Okay, and the NFC, you don't know. No. Give me an NFC shot. Give me one. I, Give me I one. do think the Cowboys are built for it this year, but smart my smart money would be on the Packers. Okay. All right. I'm going to do something that's boring as hell. I'm going to hate it. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Packers. <laughs> Fucking take by, dude. I was the same. same All right. Thing. I'll that change was mine. mine. That was mine last year. Actually, this one will be a lot more fun. This is that Thursday night special. I'll go, I'll go Chiefs Rams. Okay, that would be a good one. That too. would be a like good one. That. And Matthew Stafford prevails. Yeah, I don't like the matchup I picked, but I, I genuinely do think. I think the Bills play one of the most boring football games ever. Wow, all they the throw, time. They throw the most out of any team. Yeah, but like box. it's not it's not sexy. I it don't know. Sexy. Guys, call me, call me biased, but the Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. I've, They're the best I, team in football. I mean, I've watched too. I've watched too much. I've seen them do too much. Andy Reid's probably one of the best play callers I've I've ever seen. Literally. So I mean, like I don't see any team beating them. So I got the Chiefs, Packers. Packers may win the Super Bowl. I'm just Rod. Do you tell me wrong here, though? Something, this offense doesn't seem the same. 
it doesn't. Chiefs. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because they took away that deep threat. Yeah. And, like, we're not used to seeing that. Yeah. But it hurts. It's painful to see. But Mahomes has made the adjustments. That's why I like That's why I like what they're doing right now. They're still getting it done. They're still getting it done. Yeah. No, so, they, uh, there's no doubt. They're, pro- yeah. they're probably still the favorite out of the AFC, aren't they? They are. They yeah. are. But, man, it's going to be a fucking roller coaster watching this playoffs, bro. Yeah. This is not no locking in. Like, hey, this is these are absolute, like, lock-ins because it's not going to be that And the thing way. is, you never know in the you playoffs. You never know. I was watching a video last night about the double doink in Chicago. Oh, my God and Philly like Philly's team yeah like they were they were nine and seven and I think the year before they they won the Super Bowl so you with Nick Foles for crying out loud so yeah. you never know you never know Jesus but that's our Super Bowl talk we're about to get into the interview for you guys it's be coming up right now and then we'll come back and wrap up the show a little bit more add a few things but please for now enjoy this interview interview with Eric Romoff all right now we want to welcome on Eric Romoff Eric how are you. I'm, I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, for making a little space for me on the show tonight. No, man. Thank you for coming out. So a little bit, uh, first of all, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into the industry? Um, who does your fandom belong to? And who you got winning the Super Bowl? Oh, man. Um, I will start with bad news first. My fandom, unfortunately, belongs to the Houston Texans. Jeez, that might um, be worse which, than mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not... Not many teams out there uh, that are hanging their head lower than the, the Texans. I, I got to give them a little bit of love, at least over these last couple of weeks. They've certainly played better than the skill of the players on their roster, right? So shout out uh, David Cully for you know making the most out of maybe the worst roster in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, not, not the funnest time in the world to be a Texans fan. Um, in terms of my Super Bowl pick, it feels really wide open this year. Um, I kind of like this new look of the Chiefs. I know they're they're coming off of a loss to Cincinnati, but it looks like they can still largely do what they want to on the offensive side of the ball. And really, since they acquired Melvin Ingram, this defense has been an entirely different unit. So it's probably the most complete Kansas City team that we've seen in the Mahomes era, and that's a really scary kind of proposition for the rest of the league, right? Yeah, you uh, you just made our producer um, rock hard. He, yeah, he, he, he is uh, the biggest Chiefs fan ever. Yeah. I don't know why. He's Eric, from Eric, Detroit. Eric, Eric, nice to meet you. My name's Roderick. Nice to meet you. Yeah, biggest I, Chiefs fan that. ever. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's from Detroit. I don't know how why this happened, how we let it happen, but um, he's all in on the same page as you, and he was literally just talking my ear off about Melvin Ingram the other day. So you guys are on to yeah. It's it's one of those it's one of those like super nuanced moves, right? Like Ingram Ingram brings a lot to that defensive front as it is, but also it allows Jones to move over to his natural position and that's just really got it's got that front uh clicking. So should should be a deep run for Kansas City. I know that's not like the hottest take out there, but like like what the Chiefs are doing this year. Yeah. You want you wanna give a swing at the NFC for us? Because I know that's the tougher one out of the bunch. It's incredibly tough. I probably went to the Chiefs because I didn't want to pick an NFC team. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be so hard to pick against playoff Brady, um, especially when his podcast co-host Larry Fitzgerald comes down from the booth and fills in for that wide receiver gap that they have now with <laughs> Antonio Brown and Godwin out. That would be amazing. That would be something else. I would love to see that. I didn't even think about that. They have that that show on uh, – what is it? It's Legends? Let's go. Or- 
Let's go. They have the Let's Go podcast yeah. on together all the time. And if that's not the greatest podcast, like I think I think we're pretty good. But, but those guys, <laughs> like that's awesome. So I hope it's Larry Fitz. I I don't know who else. They're definitely gonna fill the spot, right? They're not just gonna let it linger for for uh, for uh, Tyler Johnson or Scotty, right? I mean, they. I mean, I, I think it would. I think it would be fun to see Fitzgerald there, right? Like he's he's like that possession receiver they're looking for. But realistically, like. Tyler Johnson is a decent enough prospect. I could see them wanting to get him a little bit of run. Um, and like, I mean, we're, we're here, right? Like pulling a guy off the street who hasn't played in uh, quite some time is not really going to move the needle necessarily. I think it'd just be a fun storyline. And if anyone can, you know, run those sharp curl routes, those seven yard slants, it's, it still fits, right? Yeah, this isn't the NBA. You can't just pick guys off the street and uh, tell them they to suit up for the night. Yeah. Yeah, maybe get Larry Fitz that ring that he he finally deserved. But lastly, just tell us a little bit how you got into the industry. Um, tell us about your brand a little bit. You've built quite the following on Twitter. I know a lot of people respect what you have to say and, and, and trust in you to fix their fantasy woes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of a journey. Um, when I originally created this handle, uh, Fantasy Nav was a shorthand for fantasy navigator a now defunct website i was trying to do my own thing out there and really it was it was kind of guerrilla tactics right i was just looking at and skimming off of like the ask fft and hashtag fantasy football advice questions that didn't go answered right um and i I did it for a few weeks leading into into the season and randomly enough uh dave richard popped up into my into my dms and he was like, hey, I see you responding to the questions that are sent to CBS Fantasy. And I was like, all right, I'm caught, whatever. Like, here comes the cease and desist. And he was like, I absolutely love it. We get more questions than we know what to do with. Um, you know, we feel really bad when people are asking us for help and we can only get to some of them. But if you're going to do this, just take me out of the reply. Because I open up my Twitter and I've got like 900 notifications from just you replying. So take me out of the reply. And we kind of got to, to talking from there. Um, he plugged me into a couple of different outfits that a lot of writers would get to start at, you know, kind of free work and, you know, simple little like collaborative articles, joint waiver wire stuff. Um, so that was really where I, where I got my start. Where I really started contributing more was when we started the charity league last year, Pros with Joes. Uh, that was the point where, I got introduced to a number of additional people in the, in the fantasy uh, content creator space. We had over 50 fantasy experts playing last year. We're up over 40 this year. Um, and as much like I'm doing now, I was kind of on the road show, uh, begging people for money and asking people for donations, uh, doing some podcast tours. Had uh, one of those content creators mention that they were looking for someone to write for them and maybe do some more routine podcast work. Um, and I guess he liked the way that I make words. Um, and so that's, that's really where it, where it picked off or picked up, um, started contributing for going for two initially. I'm still uh, part of the going for two live networks to do a DFS show there every Saturday night. And I'm also part of drrodo.com where I'm writing an article every day of the week, uh, NBA, NFL, uh, jock market, which is a really cool platform. Um, and that's also where the charity league is hosted now. So, uh, kind of a, uh, kind of a rags to riches story, if you will. That's exactly why we asked those kind of questions. Cause that story is incredible. Like you're just 
hopping on Twitter, doing your Sunday ritual, answering people and their questions for lineups and you get noticed. And it is all about opportunity and, and luck, right? Luck has everything to do with success. And there you were, someone noticed you helping out and doing your thing. And it brought you to the position you're in today. So that's why I love asking those kind of questions. Thank you for, for sharing that. When we first initially talked, I sent you our video when I was giving you a little rundown of who we are, what we do. I sent you a video of uh, me bitching that I don't have my guy. Uh, Colin's got a guy. His guy's Odell. Rods is anyone dressed in red and yellow, but it's mainly Mahomes. And I don't have a guy, but I want to ask you, do you have a guy? Do you have a guy that you're absolutely locked on every year? He's going to make his way to your roster. You got a jersey somewhere in your closet of them. Do you have a guy? Yeah, so um, my uh, my loyalties are a bit more fleeting in the fantasy world, right? I try to kind of ride the ebbs and flows of the market. Uh, this year, a guy that I had a ton of and was catching a ton of shit for touting him is none other than Joe Mixon. Uh, we, were, we, we were waiting forever for Gio Brevard to get out of the way, right? Um, and now, now he was gone. So, I mean, he was slipping into the third rounds in some places. So I was just stacking him up all year. I mean, he's, he's done, he's done pretty well, right? He, um, you know, kind of, kind of fits and starts. He's had plenty of big weeks that he's had, uh, several dead weeks. So been pretty happy with, uh, with my, my mix and shares overall. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been arguing because I'm I actually intro, started introducing these guys to the Twitter because over the last couple of years it's really like taken off like with Twitter fantasy football it's become like a huge space, and I've always seen the last couple of years Joe Mixon Joe Mixon the opportunity is there like he's a great like he's a great prospect he's gonna do well especially in a better offense with Joe Burrow and those guys, and every every single time I was trying to talk to these guys I was like man the underlying metrics for Mixon he's a great runner he can catch the ball the offense should be a hell of a lot better. And it's like every week I'm trying to tell these guys, Mixon, Mixon, he's gonna be he's gonna be good this year. And now now he's sitting what? He's like a top five running back uh, by season's end, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's maybe just inside the top ten right now. I haven't looked since uh, since last week, but it's it's really a volume play, right? Like yeah. he we've we've been waiting forever and ever for him to have the lion's share of that workload, and he's he's got it now, right? Um, you know, there, there are plenty of weeks where he pops off, but. Even his down weeks, he's he's got such a safe floor that it's it's hard to pass up on that sort of security as your RB too. Yeah. No, volume is king in fantasy football. We preach that all the time on this show. And if you're ever looking for somewhere to go with a player or you want to know who to draft and you're comparing the two, I mean, bell cows are so hard to come by in this day and age of the NFL, which is what makes the Derrick Henrys, the Jonathan Taylors, the Joe Mixons so valuable. But I'm I'm just like a crucial Joe Mixon hater. Um, like I'll never accept that he's good, actually good at football. Uh, like it, it, we debated calling the show, the Joe Mixon show for how much we've talked about him on air. So, um, I, of course you had to bring him up and of course that's your guy, but, um, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. Cause now I just, it's just the world against me. That's what it, basically what it is. But in, in contrast to Mixon, he was one of the guys you've been touting. You said all year. Is there anyone that you were touting and unfortunately had a disappointing year? Because obviously, with co- whether it be COVID injuries, now there was plenty of disappointments this year. But was there one guy you were just you know a little more disappointed to see not perform as well? Yeah, I mean, more than more than one, really. Probably the guy that I have the most shares of that just absolutely shit the bed is Allen Robinson. I was buying into the 150 targets. Um, you know, whether it's tongue in cheek. Like Andy Dalton would be uh, arguably the best quarterback that he's ever had, right? So 
buying in on the volume, buying in on the opportunity. And it has absolutely kicked me in the face. Um, uh, every single one of the, the teams that I had him on uh, either missed the playoffs or were bounced out in, in the first round. Right. So, um, you know, I was, I was touting him as kind of a fringe wide receiver one uh, that I was getting at a discount and the price was right, but he literally didn't do anything all year. And it, it cratered my fantasy teams. No, if it wasn't for his namesake, I mean, he was statistically droppable completely and oh, fully. It, uh, fully droppable. And I just, I always, I had a bunch of shares of them too. I had a couple guys wrote, written down here and my big, my big three, who I had a shit ton of shares of who let me down was Allen Robinson, as you mentioned, Corey Davis, who is eh, whatever. I kind of thought he'd have a, a lot bigger of a year. He battled some injury, no big deal. Um, but my guy that I want his head on a post is Amari Cooper. I could not stand knowing that on any given Sunday, he was capable of getting 120 yards, 10 catches plus, and two touchdowns. And more often than not, I was stuck with five points and a hamstring injury. That's what bothered me the most. So that was the reason of, of asking you those questions. If you had anybody, cause I think I had almost, which I, I learned my lesson. I'll never do again. I'm pretty sure I had a hundred percent share in Amari Cooper. I'm in six leagues. I think I had him in all six leagues. I was, I was feeling, I was like, oh my God, this could be such a good year. I know what Coop can do. And it, it just busted. And like, now I know for next year, for sure. And listeners out there, please take this, like cross yourselves, hope to die. Take this with you to bed. Do not get a hundred percent, hundred percent share of anyone ever. And try not to reflect your teams. Um, like I picked a lot, the first pick I had in my six leagues, I had the first pick in three of them. So most of those three teams looked exactly the same. I was getting Waller in the third, which we'll talk about later. Um, and McCaffrey, obviously, a first overall pick. That I mean, that sucks. So you can see how my fantasy season went, Eric. Um, you could yeah, just pass. for sure. <laughs> and the, the thing with, with Cooper, I mean, depending on when you were drafting, there was like that, I think it was like late July into like the first half of August where out of nowhere, C.D. Lamb was getting like top six wide receiver consideration. And hard. so you're you're and tapping in you're tapping into that offense, but at you know 20 picks later. So I, I think there's a there's a strong argument to be made for Cooper. But I mean the way that they've distributed the ball has just been wild. You know, nobody really saw the emergence of of uh, Schultz coming up, and that's you know that's really what tapped into or stole a lot of Cooper's touchdown upside. I think it's interesting too, because like when you come out, when you come out a lot of drafts, it's like you you get some certain guys where it's like, oh wow, I never I never thought I was going to get this guy at this spot, and at the time it feels like that was a great pick. So I feel like it's hard to look back on the season at guys like Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, whatever it may be, and say, oh, that was a bad pick because at the time it still could have been a great pick. It just you know wouldn't have worked out in your favor. And I still feel that same way about a guy like Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper. I still feel like you know they're very talented. Obviously, Allen Robinson's got a difficult, you know, scheme he's playing in. Obviously, the quarterback issues. But, like, a guy like Robinson, do you still think there's, there's still potential for him to be probably not a wide receiver one anymore, but do you still, still think he could be, like, a, a pretty safe wide receiver two or a high-end wide receiver three maybe? Yeah, high-end wide receiver three sounds about more right. Um, I mean, just looking at, you know, kind of the, the circumstance in front of him, he's on the franchise tag in, in Chicago. If he ends up back there again, he's pretty firmly behind Mooney in terms of the pecking order in this wide receiver core. And I think a lot of the teams out there in free agency, if he goes to test that market, aren't really going to be looking at him as their primary option. And going back to the volume point earlier, right? Like it's, it's going to be 
hard for him to break into that top 12 at the position if he's getting, you know, less than a third of the targets for at least among the wide receiver tree, right? So yeah, um, fair to temper expectations. You can get him plenty cheap, so he'll still carry some upside worth, worth throwing a dart or two in the 2022 drafts. But, um, you know, certainly better off if you're not planning on him contributing week in and week out. Almost more like a best ball play is the way that I would categorize him. Yeah. Most people, I would say most fantasy players have what they call a shit list. And by that, I mean guys that I refuse to draft. I won't touch. If you offer me a trade, I won't even look at it. Um, that's the standard. Do you have anyone who you have removed off of your shit list this year? For me, if I wasn't so damn prideful, I would probably admit to you guys right here, right now that it was Joe Mixon. I won't do that though. I won't do it. I, I'm not, I just it's all hypothetical. Yeah, it's all hypothetical. If I wasn't so prideful, I would do that. But, yeah, so maybe a guy like Mixon for me. For you, do you have anyone who are like, all right, I was wrong. I am – he's off my shit list. I am looking to get him next year if the price is right. Yeah. Um, so it, my shit list is probably a bit uh, broader. It's a bit more macro. Um, forever and ever, I have had – offenses like the Patriots and the Eagles, specifically their running backs, on my shit list. Yep. And I actually had a decent amount of Damian Harris this year, and he's he's paid off wonderfully, right? I think he's got 11 or 12 scores on the season now. I think he's got um, 13 or 14 now. Okay, there you go. Yeah, even, even. Um, his, his ADP you know, stayed around kind of like the mid-20s at the running back position. And I, I was expecting it to just explode right when Cam left, and it didn't, right? So basically, you can almost draw a line in the in the calendar from when I was drafting. And if it was after the point where Cam Newton left New England or was released, those are all the teams that have Damian Harris because you're still getting him at a, at a decent discount, and he, he paid off. So I'll, uh, I'll broaden my horizons and have – uh, have have my eyes to to Harris or to New England rushers in in years to come. I'm the same way you are, and to the point of I tell everyone stay away from New England running backs because that's just not Belichick style. He doesn't care who whose name or number is carrying the ball. He just wants the freshest legs out there at all times. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he still incorporates that in today's game and in today's offense. It just so happens that Harris is scoring an ungodly amount. He's having a Garrett Blunt esque season. Um, is it? Is he capable of doing that next year? I don't know. Who's to say no? I mean, if he's going to get the goal line work, he's going to get the goal line work. But something for me is I think Ramaj Stevenson's a very talented running back. I think he's one of those guys like Javante Williams who we will be looking at in the future where analytics will tell us that this guy's different. Yeah, I, I like a lot of what Ramadre has to, has to offer as, as a prospect. Um, I'm not sure when Harris is up in terms of his contract, but whenever it is, you can generally expect that this New England front office won't want to pay him, and that should clear the way for Stevenson. The other uh, sort of mitigating factor for for Harris is I think a lot of his – I mean, a lot of his productivity did come by way of the touchdown, which is A, hard to replicate, but B, um, I think that was a product of a little less comfort certainty in Mac Jones in the red zone, right? Um, he very much so came in and managed these games for New England. And as he continues to develop and advance in his career, I think we're going to see them throwing more and more in the red zone. Whereas this year, it was generally one attempt usually to either of their tight ends, and then they would just continue to pound the ball 
because they didn't want to get a turnover uh, at the hands of the rookie. So I think as Mac Jones develops, that does sort of hedge the touchdown upside for, for either of the New England rushers. You know, I agree 100%. But I want to I ask you a question real quick. Obviously, we've had some big names come out and break out this year. And obviously, there's, a lot, there's still a lot that can change going into next year. But one of the main guys I'm very interested to see that where he'll go in drafts next year is Jamar Chase. And we saw we obviously saw what happened pre-draft this year in terms of the fantasy football season. It was like, oh, he's got the drop issues. And then all of a sudden, his, his stock it plummeted quite a bit in the leagues that I was drafting in at least. And I was, like, I was seeing him go in the seventh round. And obviously now he's one of the best receivers in the game. And I don't even think it's you know, much arguable. Do you think he goes in the first round next year? Do you I, think- I, w- I just want to add to that. I, I don't even think it was just our leagues that we play in. And I've seen it all over Twitter that people have been bitching all season. I can't believe I let you know, the, the mainstream media get in my head about Jamar Chase. I cannot believe I let uh, the, drop, the drop info going around by, by what was it? Be- Bleacher Report Gridiron was saying that he can't, can't see the ball or whatever. Yeah, like, I can't, I can, the I can't whatever. believe, and I'm one of those people, I can't believe I let that get into my head. And I missed out on a freshman winning Bolitnikoff winner who was in tandem with Justin Jefferson and was clearly better than him in college, just specifically off of production. I just can't believe I let that go past my head. So I guess our question to you is, where do you see him getting drafted? And did you also miss out on the Jamar Chase train? I did miss out on the Jamar Chase train. Um, More over because I am a big T Higgins fan. Uh, I was touting him all off season two years ago. Um, was very much so uh, listen, uh, shouting it to anyone that would listen that they need to go get T. Higgins before he starts to break out. And unfortunately, right as he started to come on was when Burrow got hurt. So I had a fine rookie campaign. So I, I, I was a bit more on the, the Higgins side. Obviously, Jamar Chase had an insane year as a rookie. Um, you know, uh, last week against Kansas City, he had more receiving yards than Mahomes did passing yards, which might be a first. Um, so, you know, really having this kind of peak or ceiling performance in his first year in terms of where he falls for me, the first round is probably a bit too rich, but I think his ADP will be right around there. Right. I think his ADP will be like 13, 14. Um, I did, I did a couple of, um, uh, best ball startups this year, rather earlier today, um, with, uh, with some, uh, some other contributors in the industry. And he went in the first round in both of them. He went 11th and 12th in, in uh, those two best ball leagues. So obviously not a direct comparison for, you know, redraft rankings, but, um, you know, he's, he's in the conversation and, and that's based on merit. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about alternate leagues, kind of like best ball, but keeper leagues and dynasties are not something that every fantasy football player indulges in, but is, keeps it interesting, keeps it different. And we want to ask you a little bit about keeper league advice so we us three are in a keeper league it's our second year doing it so everyone who was kept the first year is getting poured back into the pool and I guess my question for you is do I want to keep my first round pick or do I want to extend the option to be able to pick up those guys who are kind of re-entering the pool for example I have Austin Eckler now the rest of my team isn't great I don't have Jamar Chases or like my best keeper player is probably Michael Pittman in round 12 who I'm not ecstatic about by any means. The other guy I'm looking at is J.K. Dobbins, who I drafted specifically. Uh, this was post-injury. I drafted specifically just for keeper reasons. I got him in the uh, 13th. So I have, a, I have Austin Eckler, 
in my type of per, with my team and those guys were the only two, mind you, that I would be looking at keeping. Am I looking at Austin Eckler keeping him, or do I want to send him back and kind of hope that I would we I will be getting one of those guys that were resent into the pool? Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? Um, it it really all boils down to how the rules shake out in terms of what happens when uh, when when you turn someone back, right? If you're the only one who sends back a first rounder or first round graded player, does that mean you have the first overall pick, right? Um, so, you know, those little nuances and details are really where the decision, you know, uh, comes to bear. In in terms of the other guys that you have on your roster, I mean, if you can hang on to Dobbins for a 13th, even Pittman as a 12th, I mean, those are those are awesome values to carry into next season. Um, if If Eckler is going to be the best player on the board, I'm probably not going to throw him back, right? Like whenever I'm, I'm on those sort of fringe calls, that's usually what I'm looking at, right? Um, if you have the first overall pick, it's kind of a wash. But if you're right there, you know, uh, kind of two through five, if you can say confidently, I throw back my first round pick and he won't make it back to me, um, that's probably an indicator that you should just hang on to him. So a little bit, uh, a little bit of a wishy-washy answer, but ultimately depends on what everyone else in the league does and what the, what the keeper rules stipulate. Yeah, go ahead. Talking about first round picks, do you think there's a clear cut number one overall pick for next year, or do you think it? Do you think McCaffrey still belongs in that conversation for redraft, or what, what are you thinking? I I think it is head and shoulders Jonathan Taylor next year. Um, I mean, he's he's literally done everything from a, a skill set and productivity standpoint that you're looking for. Uh, this Colts offensive line only stands to get better as they continue to get healthier into next year. And he is one of those rare players that is not only a volume king, but every time he gets the ball in his hand, he can break one and, and take it to the house. So um, I, I think we're going to see him as the consensus 101 by a pretty comfortable margin. And then from there, like everyone's going to have to plant their flag, right? I see people arguing for Najee, for Eckler. I see people arguing for Swift, right? Um, it, it seems like CMC is probably sliding back into that like four or five range. I think it'll probably creep up as we get closer to the summer because right now everyone's still still hurt, right? Like they they are now off, off of back to back seasons where injury cost them early. He came back, he fell on his face, they lost him again. And you know, to to your shit list question, right? Like people remember that, and I think yeah. he might be on a lot of people's shit list. Yeah, no, because like like he said, he's, his shit list, he's, I've got love lifts. And for me, my guy that I always loved the draft was Odell. And injuries, obviously, you get discounts going into the next years and whatnot. In the last few years, obviously, Odell just keeps going down, 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 and down again. And now we're starting to finally see, like, there's might be potential here in this L.A. offense with him. Do you think that he can return to, a, like, maybe a wide receiver two level? Or like, what do you think about Odell in this new offense? Yeah, it's it's tricky because I don't think we have a really accurate picture of how this Rams offense is going to look next year, right? Um, I, I I mean, it's it's worked out well for Odell uh, managers here in 2021, but I really wish that we didn't see Bobby Trees get injured the moment that Odell showed up because that would be a nice sample of games to say, cool, this is how they're going to use him. You know, he's more of a red zone target. He's you know trying to take the top off. In terms of how they're using him now, I mean, I think he would carry just as much value as 
Robert Woods did coming into the season this year, right? Or, um, you know, had, had Odell not gone there um, uh, mid-season, you know, looking at kind of a, a, a borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of player. In this Rams offense, I mean, it seems like they're going out of their way to get him involved, right? They're, they're looking at him, you know, uh, sometimes in double coverage. They're definitely looking at him a lot in the red zone. Um, so the the upside is there, and he's he's getting those downfield looks that he was so thirsty for in in Cleveland that he wasn't getting. So um, you know, getting getting that type of upside player in kind of the you know eight, nine, ten round range um, is is a lottery ticket that I want to stack up on my bench. Exactly. Obviously, in fantasy football, um, where rookies end up getting drafted means everything. But is there a prospect that you're looking at that you have your eye on for next year that you would? Uh, hope if the right team was drafted if the right team drafted them that you'd be hoping to get your hands on and it's it's really tough like um so much of it is is circumstance right like Najee Harris was uh you know arguably uh, the most highly touted uh running back coming into the fantasy season following the draft and had he ended up somewhere else right if he ended up San Francisco instead of Eli Mitchell or Trey Sermon, um, he probably wouldn't see you know quite as much love as as he was you know walking into to Pittsburgh where it was known that he was going to be the bell cow from from day one right so um, you know for for me it's it's really about circumstance more than anything um, you know th- there are some absolutely electric players coming into the, into the NFL this year. Um, right. You, you, you look at um, uh, the running back coming out of BYU, whose name is missing me right now for whatever reason. Um, you know, he's, he's shown a lot of things that look like they would convert to the NFL level where he could make, uh, make an impact pretty quickly. But if he's, you know, buried on a depth chart, especially for redraft purposes, it's, it's going to be hard to, you know, want to, want to click the button when his name comes up. Yeah, I feel like especially with running backs, like the one of the biggest parts of the equation is just finding the right place, getting to the right spot. And like you said, with Najee, everyone was predicting that the Steelers were going to draft Najee. And then once it happened, we all feel like we knew what was going to happen. He was going to get 300-plus touches, get work to the ground every week. And that's exactly what we saw. But a guy like Javante Williams, it's like he's going to have to fend off, you know, Melvin Gordon for the, for the whole year. And they both played well. And it's hard to see as a – I wasn't a Javante Williams owner personally. And I, I kind of was happy about that because I didn't want to go through the headaches of, you know, all oh, this is Melvin Gordon's week, all oh, this is Williams week. But do you think like a, a guy like Javante Williams next year just really like takes over that backfield and makes like a household fantasy football name for himself? I mean, I would hope so. Um, Melvin Gordon has actually had a much better season than most, myself included, uh, thought that he would, right? Um, but even with that, Javante Williams is – just so clearly uh, leaps and bounds ahead of him from an athleticism, from a field vision, from a tackle breaking ability. Right. Um, so, you know, it's really a matter of when he gets that opportunity to lead the backfield. For me, that really boils down to what happens with this coaching staff. You know, Vic Fangio is going to want to run the ball 60 times a game if he had his druthers. Right. And so if they decide to, keep him keep him around as you know they kind of float around 500 this year you know just on the outside of the playoffs if he's back uh again next year i would expect that we're going to see another two-headed monster in in denver and that would 
you know, pour some cold water on Javante Williams upside for 2022. But whenever he gets that opportunity, I think he's going to be like firmly in league winner category. Yeah, we saw what he's capable of doing when he gets the backfield to himself. Though he had one start this year without Melvin Gordon up his ass, and he got uh, 30 fantasy points plus. So clearly, we know he's capable of being the guy, um, a future first round pick. I would like to put my chips in on. But with that being said, I know there's a lot of talented rookies this year. Uh, do you have any other second year guys, sophomores, as I like to call them, that you're looking at next year? Maybe uh, Amonra St. Brown, Elijah Moore. Uh, Michael Carter, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, any of those guys uh, get you going? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky because the the rookie productivity has really changed in the NFL over the last few years, right? For forever and ever, it seemed the case where it took a couple of years for these these rookies to ramp up, and now we're at a point where they're contributing almost immediately, right? Uh, in in terms of guys that I'll probably be targeting and end up with more shares than the others. Devonta Smith really jumps off the page because I think we're going to have not only the best value on on him, right? He's he's been one of the more disappointing rookies in the 2021 season, but also I think whether it's by way of development of Jalen Hurts or this team going out and getting a different quarterback, his quarterback situation, his quarterback play is going to improve markedly heading into next year and I at least looking at, you know, very early ADPs doesn't seem like the the market has responded to uh, to that sort of uh, influx. So if you're trying to get some uh, some early drafts in there, some best ball, definitely like getting a steep discount on Smith because I think he continues to develop and his quarterback play can really only go up. Yeah, my personal favorite second year second year breakout for next year is Elijah Moore. For me this year, I I was I actually made some boneheaded silly decisions right before playoffs. We extended our trade deadline and everything. And I, was, I saw Elijah Moore just go off every week, even didn't matter who was playing quarterback. And I was like, man, if this guy can do it with any quarterback, he's, gonna be, he's just going to be a stud. So I emptied all my chips into him. I wanted him to be my permanent flex for the playoff run. And then, boom, next week, IR. But for next year, like, I'm still really high on Elijah Moore, regardless of who's playing quarterback, because he just looks so good out there on the field. And I think it's funny because I'm, I'm all in on Michael Carter next year. And I, I really think, just like Javante Williams, I think Michael Carter is um, athletically gifted compared to his counterparts. I think he can be a very good NFL player. And I'm just waiting for the Jets to kind of come into their own before these two, these two being Elijah Moore and, and Michael Carter, really come into their own. And I'm anticipating them coming up. And I don't know if you guys saw these stats recently, but um, Wilson has had better, or better grades rookie year than Andrew Luck, than uh, Peyton Manning, than all these guys I saw on, on Twitter. And it looks that, you know, oh, my God, wow, a kid from BYU and going right into the NFL playing against the Patriots and the Bills twice a year is a hard learning curve. Could you imagine? So, yeah, I'm not all out on Wilson yet. I'm sure he'll figure it out. And I think the Jets are going to come into their own sooner than later. Not Maybe not next year, but in a few years, I think they're on the same trajectory as my Lions. I think it's only going up from here. I mean, yeah, I love, love both those calls, you know, being that they're tied to uh, a, a player, Zach Wilson, that uh, his, his perception is a little bit uh, undervalued relative to, to reality, right? You can, you can get those guys on the cheap, and, you know, if and when they click, they can make all the difference in your roster. We, we're seeing guys like Derrick Henry. I don't know if you saw, but he's, he's at practice. He's ready to go, it looks like. Uh, Cam Akers is practicing. So we're seeing a bunch of guys who are hurt, 
uh, what seemed like season-ending injuries are coming back, and they're coming back before we even thought they even imagined that they could. So with that being said, um, how should we evaluate guys like Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson going into next year, guys who are out for season-ending injuries? Are we holding that too much to their – how should I put that? I guess – Will we, will we let medicine do its thing? Will medicine, modern medicine prevail? Or should we be worried that these injuries might linger or might ruin? Or when I'm looking to draft these guys, where am I going with them? Am I assuming that uh, Travis Etienne will get the bulk of the carries? Uh, they drafted him in the first round, assuming to do so. Are these injuries something we should worry about? Yeah, it's, it's tricky, right? Because there, there are a few things that go into, into that circumstance. Um, first and foremost, like Cam Akers tore his Achilles over the summer and he's playing uh, about six months later. That is absolutely insane, right? Derrick Henry is is kind of on his original uh, recovery time frame, but uh, uh, that might be the fastest I've seen an Achilles recovery, uh, at least that I can recall. So, um, you know, in, in terms of some of the guys that you mentioned, uh, Dobbins, ETN, um, what should have been acres, but you know, now he's uh, in line to play in, in week 18. Um, their, their injuries were early enough into the season and into the preseason where I don't think it would really impact their, their stock very much uh, heading into draft time here in, in 2022. James Robinson. I mean, he suffered that Achilles injury super late in the season. Historically, it's more of like a nine to 12 month kind of injury. So, um, you know, that should, uh, you know, have him falling down draft boards a bit. But, I mean, case in point, Cam Akers is looking at a six-month turnaround with a very similar injury, right? So it's a, it's a bit hard to say. I think more than anything, at least for guys like ETN and, and Robinson, it's more their circumstance that's going to impact their, their, draft, uh, their, their draft grade, their ADP in 2022, right? We don't have a really clear picture on what their role will be coming back, whereas – you know, Cam Akers, obviously Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins are largely expected to step right into the bell cow role when they're when they're healthy enough to do so. Yep. And so, Eric, I want to talk a little bit about your draft strategy, okay? So, obviously, everyone tries to – I mean, most people, they take what the board gives them. But for me personally, I, for some reason, I just love going receiver, receiver, and then – figure out my running back position later because for some, like you'll always be able to find a running back on the waiver wire who could do something, or obviously you can make trades in the middle of the season. But is there a strategy that you believe is more beneficial than others? And on that same token, I'm all running back, running back receiver in round one, two, and three. So I, I refuse to let my starting running back be someone of, uh, uh, give me a really shitty oh, running back. Mine, yeah. which was Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and Mike Davis. yeah, there you go. Like, I don't want to be stuck with Mike Davis as my RB two. So I like to take, get that taken care of because on any given Sunday, I could start Marvin Jones at my flex and he might go off. So I think the talent gap between and the position depth is much different. So we're interested to see what your take is and do you have a sequence that you usually go for? Yeah, uh, I'm a bit more uh, reactive in drafts, right? Like, um, you know, I, I like to get a gauge for how the, how the board's coming together, you know, where, where the value lies. Um, you know, each draft is very literally its own ecosystem. So I, I think I think it's beneficial to head in with a bit more flexibility in terms of how it you know uh, shakes out in practice. I find myself with a lot of of hero RB uh, builds where I've got 
that one, uh, you know, bell cow running back, that, that first round pick is my, it's typically a running back. I think from there, really just letting the, the ADP and the value dictate, right? Like I want to lock in that guy that's going to have 65, 70% plus of, of touches as a rusher. And then from there, um, you know, piece it together based on uh, exposures that I have with other teams, um, you know, guys that I want to get access to that I, that I haven't had yet. Um, you know, I, I like to have a bit of variety in how I build out my teams, right? So, um, you know, as much as I'm chasing value, I'm also looking for an opportunity to kind of hedge a little bit, right? If I have a ton of one guy uh, because he's falling to me in the same place, you know, find a couple of leagues where, where I want to pivot off of that. Or if I, you know, want some exposure to a player that I haven't drafted yet, maybe reach for him. So uh, definitely take it a bit more as, as it comes, but definitely like to at least plant my flag on one of those volume players at the running back position. And while we're talking about planting flags, I have to ask you because a lot of our listeners and I'm sure a lot of fancy players struggle with the tight end position year in and year out, week in and week out. And I want to ask you, how, what is your take on how early you will draft a tight end? And is it crucial for you to get one of those top three guys? And if you don't, where do you look? Yeah, I'm generally speaking one of the last guys to take a tight end in most of my leagues. Um, there are certainly formats that, you know, change that up, right? Playing in Scott Fishbowl this year, there's a premium on tight end reception. So uh, tight ends were all over the place in the first two rounds. Um, so it, it, it depends a little bit on format. But generally speaking, I'm not super keen on reaching into the first or second round for a tight end. And that's where most of these kind of top three, top four, depending on your ranking guys are, are falling. And so if I'm not going to get one of those elite talents, I'm just as happy going down to the, the bottom of the rank and, and mucking it up with, you know, a guy that's basically three catches for 33 yards and maybe he gets into the end zone and maybe he doesn't. Right. So usually I find myself uh, with a bit more of a punt play at, at tight end because you know, after that, that kind of upper crust, they're all sort of the same. So I just want whoever's cheapest. On, on the same tight end page, I argue with these guys week in and week out, it seems like, over Kyle Pitts. Obviously, he's having a season for a tight end, but only one touchdown. It seems like he is literally Julio Jones, the new version of Julio Jones, in terms of scoring touchdowns. Do you still, do you still think that he can be like an absolute cheat code for fantasy football, given that he's a receiver playing tight end? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his ADP shakes out this off season. But I mean, if he's, if he's going around the point where he was drafted in 2021, that might be the guy that kind of bridges the gap for me in terms of not quite in that upper crust, but also not down in the bottom of the barrel either. Right. Um, I mean, I think he's 60 yards or so away from breaking, uh, breaking the, the rookie record for, receiving yards at the tight end position and to only have one touchdown with such prolific yardage, it just screams regression, right? Like that type of volume will eventually haul in a touchdown. And so I want to be able to get that. And if he's going to be priced, like he's only caught one touchdown in his career, all the better. Right. Yep. I agree. hundred uh, percent. So <laughs> we talked about this earlier on our show and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how there's kind of this transition in leagues now, 
from the names of Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey, even, even Dalvin Cook, all these injury-prone running backs. And we talked, you guys were, I was listening, you guys talk about how uh, you're heavy on the running backs early in the draft, right? So where do these guys fall? You know, we talked about the, the rise of the Najee Harris, of the Jonathan Taylor, of the Austin Eckler. Now the question is, are we flipping? Are there wide receivers that are going to be now going in that first round, you know, higher up in drafts? So it, at least for me, most of those names that you mentioned are still first round considerations, right? Um, they're, they're getting a little bit longer in the tooth. Maybe they've got some injury history that we have to, you know, have to worry about. But ultimately, anyone who's going to see the majority of the volume uh, on the ground for their team is someone that I'm interested in investing in. And specifically for you know some of the players that you mentioned, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, what I like most about them is that you have crystal clear visibility as to who their handcuff is. So if that injury happens, you know having Tony Pollard on your roster means that you're going to get essentially the same productivity that you would have out of Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe better. That's probably an argument for a different day. Um, but you know, being able to have such a clear line of sight to a contingency plan is something that I, I think, you know, adds a lot of value to those bell cow backs and has them, you know, on, on the back end of, of the first round and, and into the top of the second round for me. So, you know, we're big on punishments in our leagues. Uh, a good thing is, is if you win, you don't have to worry about the punishments. So, but the question, oh, <laughs> yeah, so, good for you, man. Uh, so I guess the questions are, are there any league punishments that you've heard of or seen that you would like to share uh, yourself? I will say that ours last year, being that it was my first year in the league that I'm in, uh, our loser actually went to Hibachi and had to take a sex doll and as his uh, date, as his date and paid for her meal, paid for the meal. Oh, yep. Nine yards. yep. So I want to just get, get, get your gist on that. And that, that wasn't his punishment. It's just how he spends his Saturday night, right? <laughs> right, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> just, this time, the whole league was just at the other table. That's right. the only difference. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the punishment side is, is fun, right? Um, I, I haven't been in a, in a punishment league in, in a while, but, I mean, just to see the creativity out there is, is wild, right? Um, I've, I've seen people that you know, have to get a tattoo, which is insane, mm -hmm. um, that will allow their league champion to cut their hair, uh, to go out on like a street corner and like spin a sign. Uh, I think I saw somewhere where uh, someone's league got like a billboard put up right outside of this dude's work that said that he sucks at fantasy football. Um, so all, all that stuff is, is fair game, right? Like if it's not hurting anyone, if it's all in good fun, I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, I've actually, I've seen a few leagues that, uh, like flirt with, with relegation where like, if you lose that. you're out and you have, and you have to do something to win your way back in, like whatever, uh, a decathlon or some sort of sporting event or whatever it might be kind of, uh, you know, every year they have a team or two that falls off in a pool of people that want to get in and they all, you know, whatever, see who can drive a golf ball the farthest or <laughs> race ATVs or whatever it might be. So anything that can, you know, add a little bit more competition to it, I, I think is a ton of fun. That's great. And on the same token, I want to ask you, do you have any cool ideas that you've been a part of or have thought of for uh, creating the draft order coming up in your future drafts? Uh, for example, last year we did, uh, each of us were assigned a, a nation in the Olympics yeah. and it was based on, uh, medals and golds were worth three bronzes were worth one. And the pool that we were chosen from were nations 
uh, competing in the exact same amount of, or give or take one, same amount of events. So it'd be fair. The year prior we did, uh, we all had a horse in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, stupid stuff like that, but it makes it fun and makes it interesting. you have anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've, I've got a buddy that I used to co-manage a, a team with um, where we would go down to someone's ranch here in Texas and have kind of our own little uh, decathlon, a little series of events. There were years where we, you know, we picked um, uh, NASCARs and based on where they finished, that determined your, your order. Um, uh, we've raced ATVs. Uh, we've thrown darts. Probably the best one was uh, a last man standing on Louisville Chugger. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the art form of Louisville Chugger. Oh, do I have a video but, for you that you'd like to see after this is done? Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, any anything that that adds a wrinkle to it, like I am, I am all for it. Um, for the charity league this year, I mean, uh, less sensational, right? But uh, we we let the the pros who raised the most money determine or pick their their draft order first, right? So. Basically, anything where you're not just throwing a bunch of names into random.org and clicking a button, let's go. I'm all about it. Same with us, man. Thanks, Eric, for joining us today. That's all we have for you today. We don't want to take up any more of your time. Albeit, I'm sure we could do this all night. Um, we love talking fantasy football, and we love talking to you. We hope you come on another time with us, um, and we just really want to thank you for taking the crucial time out of your day to join us here on LiveWire. Yes, thank you. I think we all got a little smarter today from your insights. I'm winning my league next year. That's for sure. He says that every year. I do say that every year. Every single year. Yeah. Did you, say, they, you probably couldn't hear him, but they said it at the same time. Yep. He every. says this every year. I do. I do. <laughs> you, know, you know, Eric, he is. He loves him some Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones. You can always find Dak, Amari, or somebody on Dallas Cowboys on Alex's team. I don't know how it happens. I don't do it on purpose. It just happens that way. It happens that way, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a ton of fun uh, hanging out with you guys tonight. Definitely appreciate you bringing me on and and spending a little time with me. You know, opening up your your platform um, for for your listeners out there, uh, if they are so inclined, if they have some fantasy winnings laying around, or uh, just want to you know kick off the the new year by doing a little bit of good, we are still raising money over at the charity league. So if you are interested, if you are inclined, you can check it out on Twitter. It's at Pros with Joes. Uh, this year in season two, Matt Harmon of Yahoo Fantasy was our champion. So we're still raising money for his cause, which is the Terrez Paler uh, Howard University Endowment. Terrez Paler was a colleague of his uh, at Yahoo who passed away tragically. And they have set up a scholarship in his name at his alma mater. So still raising money here through Monday. If anyone feels so inclined, uh, at Pros with Joes on Twitter or proswithjoes.com. You can just hit the donate button up top, uh, give a little, give a lot, whatever, whatever you can spare. You won't miss it. And you'll feel pretty good about it when it's all said and done. Yeah, Thank you for sharing. That's, that's awesome. That's an awesome cause. And yes, guys, please, if you're listening, go ahead and donate at, at pros at Joe's with pros or at pros, pros with Joe's pros with Joe's at pros with Joe's on Twitter. Follow the links, please donate. Thanks again, Eric, for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, guys.